0: this week on the dylan and dylan show the guys submit their mlb all-star ballots question and answer covers how does the golden state dynasty rack, stack up against other dynasties and what mlb team would we recommend to our friends to get them into baseball and this week in sports is a reaction to the brooklyn nets drama between kyrie irving and kevin durant Show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. Welcome back. Excited to have you back along with us for yet another Thursday edition of the show. DJ Dylan Jesperson here, joined as always by DH Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing, my man?
1: Doing fantastic. Um, I as I told you guys last week, I made the journey back to Bush Stadium in St. Louis to watch my beloved St. Louis Cardinals last Friday night. Unfortunately, the last three to nothing, but it was all right. It's always great to be back in the ballpark. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened. The Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. Ole Miss won the College World Series. Kennedy Chandler, Tennessee volunteer legend, is a Memphis Grizzly now. Uh, The Spurs literally, like 30 minutes ago, traded DeJounte Murray to Atlanta for like a million picks. There's a lot of stuff popping off in the sports world. I'm excited to talk about a little bit of it today with you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. excited to get into the show, and uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. First up in place of out of the box this week with the MLB all-star game coming up relatively soon. Uh, we thought it was a good time for us to submit our ballots for this year's AL NL matchup in Dodgers stadium. A uh, big one coming up there. Uh, and that's, we'll get right into it. We got a lot, we got a lot to get into. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Dylan. You want to start in the AL or you want to start in the NL? Um,
1: let's start in the AL. Why not? I'm a little less familiar with the AL, but let's, let's go AL. Um, and I'll just go down my lineup. So, at first base, we got from Toronto, Vladimir Guerrero, Jr. He's the guy that I think both of us picked as the preseason AL MVP. He's been crushing the ball. See, so It's what Vlad Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero does, senior or junior. Uh, second base, Jose Altuve. He's kind of held down second base in the AL for the past, like, five years or more uh, out there in Houston. He's a great player. Seems like a really solid pick at second base for me. Third base, Jose Ramirez from the Cleveland Guardians. Absolutely crushing the ball. He seems like he's probably got that spot locked in already. He's just been hitting the absolute tar out of the ball this season. At uh, shortstop, Bo Bichette from Toronto. Like Vlad, he's one of those young stars in Toronto that's absolutely killing it. We talked about that quite a bit before the season started. And even last season, those young stars in Toronto playing so well, and Bo's one of them, and I, I think he deserves the all-star nod. The outfield this is where I think things get interesting. In the AL because obviously you got to give a spot to Aaron Judge. He's having a monster season. He hits a home run every day. It seems like that a few days ago the Yankees couldn't get a hit to save their life, and Aaron Judge, of course, saved the day by hitting a walk off home run in extra innings. Uh, so yeah, I think Aaron Judge is a no brainer to be a uh, a All Star for the AL. Uh, one of the other outfield spots, I'm going Byron Buxton. I a couple weeks ago, I spent a lot of time praising Byron Buxton's athleticism. He's had an amazing season thus far for Minnesota, and I think he deserves that All Star nod. And uh, I guess center field, wherever you want to put in the outfield. And then my last outfield spot, I'm going with the rookie from Seattle, Julio Rodriguez. Julio literally today just hit his 12th home run of the season. He's having a really good year. I, I predicted him to be the AL Rookie of the Year. He's had a Fantastic season out in Seattle, and I, I think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be he, he's I think he's gonna be right around the realm of vote getters. And he deserves it. He's becoming a popular player. And he's just a ton of fun to watch. And I, he's playing like an All Stars rookie, which is really cool to see. At uh, catcher, I have Alejandro Kirk from Toronto. Uh, I think he's the best AL catcher. Uh, that spot's been held down by Salvador Perez for so long, but I think I like Alejandro Kirk he, from Toronto. I think I think he's the guy that gets the nod there. And then at DH, I, I think my DH and starting pitcher kind of go hand in hand. And I think me saying that, you're going to know who I'm talking about. It's Shohei Otani from the Los Angeles Angels. You got to have Shohei at the All-Star Game. And I've got him at DH and my starting pitcher. So I kind of stole somebody's spot. But that's I just think that's how it goes. Shohei's the man at both those positions. Uh, I'll throw it to you for your AL ballot.
0: Yeah, love a lot of those. Uh, I mean, love all of them, obviously. All of those guys, definitely well-deserving guys. Uh, I've got a lot of similar picks, but a few different picks. At first base, I'll echo you. I've got Vlad Giro Jr. Uh, obviously hitting the hitting the heck out of the ball on pace for maybe his first uh, MVP uh, this season. Uh, no doubt there, no doubt there. Uh, at second base, I'm going with Gleyber Torres. Uh, part of the Yankees' uh, kind of resurgence this year. I'm going to talk about the Yankees a, a little bit later but uh, a big part about that I mean Glaber Torres was ragged on by Yankees fans and MLB fans alike I mean there was a there was a chance that he was going to be out of the league pretty quickly after the season he had last year and I think two seasons in a row like Glaber's, uh not played up to what they thought he was going to be and then this year Finally, he's settled into second base and he's kind of turned it around. He's one of the top second basemen out there. He's got 13 doubles and 13 home runs to go along with 32 RBIs. So I think he's he's deserving this year. And I think uh, you Altuve's had enough. We'll uh, we'll let Glaber Torres get his shine there. So uh, at shortstop, I'm going with Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts has not gotten enough shine this year because he is his stat line is looking pretty dang good. He's got a 328 average, 88 hits. 21 doubles, six home runs, and 31 RBIs. I think uh, o- overlooked a bit this year. Uh, Boba has been playing uh, awesome, but uh, I think Xander Bogarts is still the best shortstop in the American League. Uh, and his – left side of the infield counterpart rafael devers is also getting overlooked i think jose ramirez obviously well deserving but rafael devers is hitting 332 he's almost at 100 hits already he's got 98 hits already i mean he's gonna get to triple digits before the all-star break which is just nuts 26 doubles 17 home runs 45 rbis i think very well deserving moving on to the outfield uh i've got two Guys that are the same as you, I've got Aaron Judge. Obviously, uh, he's probably the leader for the AL MVP right now uh, by a long shot. But uh, I do think Leguero could get there by the end of the year. But uh, not much you have to say about Aaron Judge. And I do have Julio Rodriguez as well. I think when you look at the total body of work of what Julio Rodriguez has done, two, he's hitting 276 he He's got 78 hits, 15 doubles, like you said, t- his 12th home run today, and he's got 19 stolen bases. I was looking down the list of you know, just the stat leaders of outfielders, and that he is by far the most. I mean, it's it, it's not even close. So it, he's got everything, the full package. So I think he belongs there. And my third spot, it's got to go to Mike Trout. I, I think, you know, he, he's definitely having not a Mike Trout-esque year of what we're, we expect from Mike Trout, but he is still one of two guys with an over 1,000 OPS in the outfield in the AL, and it's him and Naird Drutch. I mean, he is still – one of those guys where it's like all right if Mike Trout's healthy he's one of the best players in baseball and we we might overlook it just because he he's not absolutely running away with the mvp this year but he's still one of the top top guys in the outfield uh catcher alejandro kirk i mean there's not much to say when you're hitting 325 as a catcher i think you you belong in the all star game uh, regardless uh at dh i got jordan alvarez from uh houston uh he he's having a year that i think a lot of people expected last year and now he's actually kind of really you know, coming into his own. He's a young guy, but I mean, three six hitting three sixteen two or twenty three home runs, not two hundred. I'm sorry, uh, twenty three home runs and fifty six RBIs. Uh, and my starting pitcher to go along with that hand in hand. I kind of thought what well, this is what you were going with because my starting pitcher and DH go hand in hand. It's JV Justin Verlander. I can't I can't pass on my man. I know uh, McClanahan is having a really good season as well. I think he's also well deserving. But a two o three ERA, nine and three and ninety Ks at JV's age I mean he's one of the best pitchers to ever do it and uh, I think this this might be his last chance to start an all-star game I don't think you're really going to get another season like this out of JV so uh, get it while it's hot get JV another start in the all-star game and uh, I think it's well deserving but uh, that would be my ballot right now so let's move on to the NL flip it over to you what you got as your NL ballot
1: yeah I love your NL ballot there's a lot of guys that I left out and Mike Trout is gonna be an all star, but I like like even last year I I gave someone else my spot in my ballot and I was like Mike Trout will be there. I wanna I wanna give a shout to somebody else now is Brian Byron Buxton in my ballot. You um, know I'm a little bit more familiar with these guys. I spend a little bit more time watching these guys and I'm accustomed to these guys. And a lot of these guys are on the team I follow, the St. Louis Cardinals. And I know most of them like it's biased. I think a lot of these guys deserve it because the Cardinals have a lot of just studs. And it starts with the first base, and it's the best player in the NL right now. That's Paul Goldschmidt. He's batting nearly 350. I mean, he's going to have 100 hits maybe tonight. Who knows? I, there's not much more to say about Paul. I mean, he's the NL MVP if the season ended today. He's just played unreal, and it, he just seems to get be getting better at, by the day, and it's just incredible to watch. And watching it every day is just a treat, and I love it. Uh, moving on to second base, Jazz Chisholm from Miami. Maybe not the lone bright spot in Miami because they've got some good pitching down there. But Jazz Chisholm is just a star for the Miami Marlins. And I, I think he's the best second baseman in the NL because another guy moved positions. Uh, I think Jazz deserves to get a spot, bring the swagger to the All-Star game. I, I'm excited. I hope he gets there. I, I think the fan vote will be there for me. The stats back it up. At third base, there's going to be a lot of people that have a guy out west playing third base. Uh, Playing third base for the NL squad. I got a guy in uh, I got a guy in St. Louis playing third base for the NL squad. And that's Nolan Arenado. He spent some time out west, but Nolan he uh, he's been neck and neck with Manning Machado all season for that title, like best third baseman in the NL and best third baseman in the MLB. I think Nolan, what he provides at the plate as well as what he does defensively, it makes him the best third baseman in baseball. He's just phenomenal. Everything I just I said about Paul Goldschmidt, he's not playing not at an MVP level. If you would ask me in April, yeah. But Nolan's just been fantastic. He's he's a fantastic third baseman, and I think he's the uh, All Star starter at third base for the NL. My shortstop in the NL it's Tommy Edmond. I mean, he's having a great season, batting leadoff for the Cardinals, uh, betting two seventy five, getting on base, doing just a great job when he gets there, stealing twenty bases. And I think something that's huge for Tommy he made that shift to shortstop with Paul DeYoung getting sent down to the minors, and them getting a call up a, a top prospect in Nolan Gorman, and has just Past the Tesla flying colors, a lot of people in the organization did not believe he could play shortstop, and he might be the best defensive shortstop in the NL. Might win another gold glove at a different position this season. I, I think the things with a lot of these Cardinals, which Paul Gulch, for a lot of his offense, Nolan and Tommy, you got to look at their defense because they're the best defensive players at the position, and it's not close, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, Tommy Edmund rounds out my infield, the outfield, Ronald Acuna Jr., he's back, he is awesome. I mean, he. I love him. I, I I hate that he plays for Atlanta because I don't I don't like the Braves at all. But he is awesome. He just hits the cover off the ball, and he's an all star. That's just what Ronald Acuna is. Uh, from another out another outfield spot, got John Peterson, a former Brave, a former World Series champion with the Braves, and he, he shifted to San Francisco, and he's playing fantastic for the Braves. And I, I think he deserves to right be be right there with his teammate or former teammate Ronald Acuna. In the All Star Game and getting the shine that he's getting with the Giants, and then for my last outfield spot, got Mookie Betts. Mookie's been playing so well. He's had some injuries of late, but I I think Mookie deserves that. He's kind of been like the the stud of this star uh sh- this star field uh Dodger lineup that has struggled at times, but Mookie's been pretty consistent even though he's had to deal with injuries. But yeah, I think Mookie deserves to be there for the All Star Game in outfield because he, he's one of the three best outfielders in the NL, in my opinion. A catcher pains me to say this because the Cardinals have one of the best catchers of all time on their roster, but he ain't going to the all-star game. It's Wilson Contreras from the Chicago Cubs. He has been so, so good this season. And it pains me to say that, but he he deserves to be there for that all-star game. Wilson Contreras has played really, really well. And I i, I think he i think he deserves that. I, he might not be a Cub much longer after the all-star break. He very well could end up in a different jersey. Wouldn't mind seeing him being in a Cardinals jersey. That would be sick uh at dh bryce harper i i think bryce harper deserves it he's been phenomenal hitting 318 and hitting the cover off the ball like a lot of these guys that are all-stars obviously but bryce probably won't get the nod because he's hurt he's gonna be out for a little while so that's pulling audible i got a backup. there ain't no problem I'm going Wilson to, to little brother william contrast from the braves that'd be pretty neat get a catcher catcher duo but put uh william at dh because he has been playing dh for the defending champion Atlanta Braves and playing so so well, and I, I think he could very well take Bryce's spot at the DH for the NL squad. And then that pitcher, I'm going biased, and I do not care. I'm going Miles Michaelis of the St. Louis Cardinals. He has pitched so so well while the Cardinals have had pitching problems all all year long. He's been a bright spot in the rotation and has just he's done so great. Uh, a couple weeks ago, had a near no hitter against the Pirates. I mean, he's just he's been a guy that they can throw out there and be like, all right, we can. We'll keep them to under two runs probably and more than likely get a win is how it's been this year. It's been really neat to see. Miles Michaelis has been so consistent. I think he deserves to be honored as an All-Star because he's just been so good. And it's such a good story. This is a guy that was in Japan three years ago. Like, Miles Michaelis is awesome. I I think he deserves to be an All-Star starter. It's very biased, but, hey, we don't get to vote uh, starting pitcher, so I get to pick whoever I want. So, yeah, Miles Michaelis rounds out my NL squad at pitcher. Uh, what is your NL ballot?
0: I I will start out with a with a cardinal as well. You cannot pass up on Paul Goldschmidt at this point. He is the best player in the NL, like you said. Almost hitting three fifty with ninety six hits at this point, twenty four doubles, nineteen home runs. I mean, the dude is just hitting the cover off the ball this year. He obviously deserves that spot at second base. I'll echo you. Jess Chisholm is electric, and the future of the the Marlins organization should be if the Marlins don't end up trading him like they usually do with their young stars. But, I mean, Jess Chisholm uh, definitely deserves to be there. Uh, At third base, Manny Machado, I think, has earned it this year. I think he – obviously one of those guys. I think – like Mike Trout, one of those guys that you just assume is going to be really good and you kind of overlook it when he's when he's doing really well. But he's hitting 328 this year. He's got 83 hits, 12 doubles, 12 home runs, 46 RBIs. He's playing Manny Machado like baseball, and obviously everyone knows what he can do with his glove. Uh, at shortstop, I, I think Trey Turner deserves to be there. I think he's just he's still the best shortstop in the National League easily, and probably all of baseball, uh, and I think uh, uh, an All Star team without him starting on it would uh, not be not not look right in my opinion. Uh, in the outfield, I'm also going Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts obviously deserves to be out there. I think he's uh, probably the the star of outfielders in the national league right now. If I, if I think of an outfielder, Mookie Betts comes to mind pretty quickly. Uh, I'm going to give Kyle Schwarber a nod uh, from the, from the Phillies. I think he has been a a real standout player for, for Philadelphia this year, 22 home runs, 47 RBIs to this point in the season. So I think he's deserved a spot in left field. Uh, A guy that a lot of people expected to go play DH uh, once he got to the NL or to yeah. Once the NL got, the universal dh but he's still out there uh kicking it around in left field and i'm gonna go with ian Hap from the cubs two hitting 273 68 hits 36 rbis uh he's actually been playing really really well i think the cubs have uh, I've got a couple guys out there, like you said, with Wilson Contreras that have been playing really, really well uh, this season. Uh, I'm not going Contreras, a catcher, though. I'm going with the Dodgers, Will Smith. Uh, I still think he's the best catcher in the NL right now, at least in terms of what he's been doing. He's got he's hitting 272. He's got 64 hits, uh, 14 doubles, 12 home runs. I think he's uh, he's got it. And. Working hand in hand with my starting pitcher and Tony Guns-Sallin, uh with a 1580 ERA, he's nine and zero. He's got sixty nine Ks. Obviously, uh, he's got a benefit of pitching for the Dodgers, so obviously he's going to have a a little bit of a benefit there. But when you're at a sub two ERA and, and undefeated going into the all-star break. I think you, you definitely deserve at least a look as the, as the all-star game starter. Uh, And then my DH, again, I also was thinking, you know, maybe Bryce, Bryce Harper deserves it, but if he's out for six weeks, he's not going to be able to go in the all-star game. So Quick audible. I'm going Nelson Cruz. Give the old man a, a nod while he's still there. He's kicking it around for the Nationals. But he's played 72 games at DH, uh, and he's got 45 RBIs. He's got 66 hits. He's still doing it. I mean, the, the, the dude was built to play DH. Uh, and if he's still doing it in, in his 40s, you might as well give him a nod. You know, he's he's one of those guys that – one of those guys I expected to be retired like five or six years ago, and he's still – just continuing to be the perfect DH into 2022 and beyond. So uh, that is my NL ballots. Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing how those teams shape up as the all-star teams get uh, announced. Next up is the question and answer segment where we get to lay out our biggest questions and let each other take a, first, a swing at answering them. I'll go first this week uh, with all the NBA draft fun last week. We didn't get much Time to talk about the Warriors and Steph winning their fourth ring in eight years, being the Celtics in game six a couple weeks back. uh, Basically, confirmed the Warriors as the NBA's latest dynasty. And that got me thinking uh, about the Warriors and where they stack up uh, among the best teams of all time. And it got me to my question of all the great dynasties we've seen in all of sports, uh, the NBA included, uh, where do, how does this Warriors team stack up to them? And where do you think they rank among the dynasties in all time sports?
1: As far as the NBA I, I broke it down. I'm like, first one that comes to mind is obviously the Bulls. And the Bulls, what the Bulls did in the 90s, I think they, they're they the number one dynasty in the NBA with those six championships. And the, the NBA that that was in was so competitive. I, I think the Bulls are that number one dynasty. And then I think it gets interesting when you're talking about the Warriors and the other dynasties where you've got the Celtics and the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, or the Minneapolis Lakers, two different dynasties within the same franchise and the Celtics they just have that long run of greatness Um, I think the Showtime Lakers are probably the second best dynasty for that the impact they had on the league I think the Lakers come in at two and I think the Warriors are right there behind them when it as far as it comes to NBA dynasties and I, I think they're number three right now with their four championships I I think they could surpass the Golden or the Showtime Lakers and take the number two spot. And if they're able to somehow win six championships, it's going to be a legit argument between them and the Bulls. And you're going to, they're going to, people are going to look at it as, okay. Yeah. The Bulls went to six and they won six. The Warriors, they have the, they have a few losses and that that'll be viewed as a blemish for some people. But I don't know. I, I, I say, I praise the NBA that the Bulls played in a few seconds ago. But I think the NBA is the best it's ever been. And the guys that the Warriors have been playing against, like LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, they're different beasts. And I think that has to be taken in hand when looking at this and what they've been able to do. I don't think the Warriors are done at all. The game that they play, it's not going to – Steph's young enough that he can still do what he's doing. Draymond can be a menace for however long he wants to play basketball. I I don't think his game depends on athleticism at all. It's just him staying in shape and being on the floor. Klay Thompson, if he can knock down three, he'll be on the court. Like, these are things these guys can do. Andrew Wiggins is getting in his prime. I mean, that's what it seems anyways. He's still a young guy. And I I think this team can definitely still win. Jordan Poole's young. Jonathan Kaminga's young. James Wiseman didn't even play on this team. Like, that's where it could get scary because James Wiseman's very young. Moses Moody didn't play much like this team has so much young talent to go along with the established talent. It seems like they're gearing up for a second wind of their dynasty, which is exciting. So yeah, I think they're still building ground and NBA times I've got them number three best dynasty of all time, which is pretty good. When it comes to all sports, I, I broke down the top five. I wanted to see if they cracked top five and I don't think they cracked the top five. And that's because my, my number one is the Patriots, the New England Patriots. What they've done is just incredible. I think they are the greatest dynasty of all time. And modern sports especially, like what they've done, oh, my goodness. And then I've got the Yankees. I've got the Alabama, the University of Alabama football dynasty, UCLA in basketball, and then you can go a couple different ways, the Bulls in the 90s and whatever, however you want to go there. But I, I think the Warriors are probably – mid top 10 or right outside the top 10 of all dynasties in all sports. And I just, I think it's how you value these championships, how you value the championships of the older teams and the earlier times of leagues. Like some people might not value the, what the Yankees did back in the day as much as a championship now, but Hey, they won a bajillion. Like that's not easy. Same with like UCLA winning 10 out of 11 championships. Like that is absurd. Um, I, I think they're not quite to that level of dynasty. And what the Patriots did, I, I think winning in football is the hardest out of any of the sports because you're not playing series, you're playing one game. And what the Patriots are able to do, winning six Super Bowls since 2000 is crazy. And I, I think that's the greatest dynasty of all time. But like I said, too, we might be in the middle of this Warriors dynasty. So I, it could change a lot in this answer in four years could be like, oh, yeah, the Warriors are the greatest dynasty of all time. They won seven championships in 11 years. Like, of course, they're the best. I I think they're uh, – it's still yet to be seen. But, if, yeah, if this is the last one, they're like a – they're definitely top three in the NBA, in my opinion. And they, they, I think they're right, right outside the top ten all time in, like, all sports, which is pretty good when you really think about it. But, yeah, I, I want to know what you have to say.
0: So I think it's it's really tough to compare dynasties, uh, especially like even within sports, because like using the Warriors uh, as an example, like in order to be a dynasty, a team goes through so many iterations. Uh, like, the first Warriors team to win a ring is so much different than this one, than the one that just won a ring. And even if that core of Curry and Clay and Draymond are the same there's so there's such such been a drastic change from that team to the 73 and nine team to the Kevin Durant teams to to this team now so I I, it's tough to say you know pick one like what what represents the Warriors dynasty and like what represents the Bulls dynasty and whatever and how you compare them so I think there's two ways of like answering this and comparing it one what were they at their best how good were they and I I I would argue that at their best, they were one of the best teams ever when you took a 73 and nine team and added Kevin Durant, uh, who's likely a top 10 player of all time. I mean, that team, I think talent wise stacks up with any NBA dynasty that there was out there. Uh, you've got basically the best shooter of all time. And one of the best offensive players of all time. I think they would have won multiple championships had KD not left, uh, on the other side of it. Uh, you can look at it the way most people do is the the more, the, the amount of accomplishments that the team uh, came up with. And I still think with that, like you said, they're still maybe just, just behind the Bulls in what they did with the six championships and like the domination that they had in a small amount of time. But it's very close. I mean, you've got four rings you've got the the regular season record for wins now you've got two mvps for your star player and a unanimous mvp Uh, they have accomplished as much if not more than most teams that we we've watched even the showtime lakers and the celtics so i I, I, and you know i I do think when we look back once this is all done i mean i like you said too uh, we'll get into, I'm going to get into that in a second, like the, the the future of it. But when we look back and we see that they won four rings within like LeBron's time, you know, there was no team that did that to the little, to the MJ teams. You know, it was the other way around where MJ was keeping rings away from, from the best teams out there. The Warriors are keeping rings away from LeBron. I mean, that's a, a one way to look at it. Uh, so uh, I, I think, there, when we look back on this after it's all said and done, that's going to be a feather in their cap too. And then, like you said, I mean, they've, they've got young talent. I mean, Curry does not seem like he's slowing down that much. I think clay took a step back, but the, the thing is with all of those guys too, is as they get older, you can see how their game matures into an older type of game. You know, you can see Curry maturing into a, more of a shooter, shoot first type of role, than a shot creator type of run the offense type of point guard role. Clay has receded more into a spot up shooter type of role, uh, but it works like that. We understand those things. Uh, we understand how those roles work uh, as they move forward. And like you said, they've got such talented young players in Kaminga and, and Wiseman and Moody and now Patrick Baldwin, who they picked up in the draft. I mean, they, they've just got so much young talent. Uh, they, they've. The, the thing is, is that their front office has just done it right for so many years. And I think this is the the, the message that most organizations need to look at is, like, the Warriors just – they weren't built overnight. It took meticulous planning, decision-making, impeccable draft decisions, and free agent signings, and most importantly, running your organization the way your employees want so that they want to succeed. I mean, you see – Guys like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins being like, we want to take pay cuts to come back to that team because that's that's what they want to do. That's when you know you've got something that's knocking on the door of being one of the best franchises ever. So uh, I still think in terms of NBA, they're right behind the Bulls. I I think they're knocking on the door and they have. I mean, I think that's one of the, the more exciting things about the Warriors is that like this could go on for like, it's, it's already been eight years since, you know, from first championship to this championship, it could go on for another eight years, 10 years. I mean, they have the the talent to, you know, curry four or five more years of, of good solid basketball. And then you've got, you know, like you said, Kaminga Wiseman, and then you expect, you, and you, you just expect that franchise to make the right moves to put another really good roster around those core players too. So uh, I think, you know, it, it's tough to say because we're in the middle of it, but yeah, I think we are, we are watching one of the greatest dynasties uh, ascending past most of the teams that we, we vaulted up and made legends of uh, as we were growing up. So I, I, it's really fun to see. It's really cool to, to to watch. And as long as you weren't one of those people that like really got mad at them back when they signed Kevin Durant and really wrote them off, I, I think you, you can just be along for the ride and really just be happy that like we're witnessing mm-hmm. basketball history. Like we're watching one of the greatest franchises ever do it. And they're going to set the, they're setting the standard of what, what NBA franchises are going to look like from now on, like at least successful ones. Uh, so that's where I think they're at number two in NBA all time. Oh, and, and like you said, in, in all time, uh, dynasties, it's tough to really, it's tough to really compare them, but I don't know if they're really top five yet. Uh, but they're, they're knocking on the door. They're really close. And I think at their best, if you're comparing all the all of those teams, like what were they at their best if you were like boil it down to an overall like in 2K? I, I think they have the the number one overall. Like that was – they were so, so good when Kevin Durant joined them, and I don't know if there's any team that could really uh, match up to them. That's my thoughts on that. But uh, if you have anything else to add, go, up, go for it. But uh, we can also get into your question.
1: Do you think – that the, I guess, like, 2000, I guess it'd be 17 Warriors with KD. Do they beat the 96 Bulls in a seven-game series?
0: It's tough because when you're comparing those, uh, the NBA has changed so much in the way that the rules are are played. Uh, it, It would be so different. Like, I think if you're playing on today's rules, of course, obviously, like, we the the way that the three-point shot has evolved the nba to this point the bulls would know there's no way they could compete in the same way but if we were playing with hand checking being legal and uh less flagrant fouls and all that type of stuff then it becomes a, a real question mark you know i think that, that's a different story that I, I don't know if a guy like kd or steph curry or those types of guys could really like weather that type of storm against guys like mj and guys like Scottie Pippen that. Uh, I think it's in, in terms of pure talent, like if you were to set it up in a 2k simulation, I do think they win. I do think they win four games out of seven.
1: I, I wish there was some kind of time machine where we could make it happen because I I think it would be like, I agree. Like the three point shot just completely changes it. Cause I mean, on that bulls team, it was Steve Kerr. And that was basically it. That was like a lethal shooter, which is very, uh, I can't think of the word. It's uh, it's kind of, it works out perfect that he ended up being the coach of the Warriors, part of two of the greatest dynasties ever. But um, I think just in a game where you've got Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, all these guys against Steph Curry, Clay, KD, Draymond, I would just love to see all the interactions, how it would work. I'd assume they would put Michael on Steph, or I maybe Michael would be our Scotty on KD, who let whoever fin with K with clay and then Draymond and Dennis just going at it. Oh man, that first hard foul from Draymond and Michael Jordan and then John at each other. Oh, it it would just be, it'd be fantastic. It'd be like cinema. It'd be the two best teams ever, probably just going at it. And I, I think that would be awesome to see. And I, right now Michael Jordan and the bulls have them. They haven't beat as the best dynasty right now, but like we said, they could be knocking on the door very soon. Like you never know this Warriors team. They're set up so well. They drafted so well. They do such a good job running the organization that they could take that title from them too, which is crazy. Crazy. To even think about it. it seems like sacrilegious to say after like what we were taught growing up, but uh yeah, it, it's crazy to think about, but we're, we're going to move on. I reckon to my question and it's a hypothetical. And you have a friend comes up to you says, Hey Dylan, I know you're a baseball fan. I want to get into baseball. I want to start following the MLB. I want a favorite team. Who should I follow? And the only rule I'm giving you is you can't tell them your favorite team. So you can't say you got to follow the Detroit Tigers for all these reasons. It's got to be some different team. So I want to see what you have to say. What is the team so much that is getting into baseball should become a fan of now?
0: So I'm going to be completely honest. I have watched very little baseball this year. Uh, With the Tigers being absolute trash to moving to South Dakota – back to michigan from my, and then from my parents house to my new apartment uh i haven't had time to sit and watch a lot of professional baseball this year it's one of the things that i think is part of baseball's problem is like once you tune out from baseball it's almost impossible to tune back in until late in the season it's either you're in for the 162 game haul, or like i feel myself doing tuning out and then tuning back in like around late august like i can't i just I can't find myself being like, oh, there's a – I need to, you know, instead of going to play whatever, Fortnite or 2K or whatever it may be, to go and watch – go and sit down and watch a three-hour baseball game. Uh, That being said, of the few series I have watched, uh, I I have picked up a few of the the better teams this year. And while I hate to say this, I think the only right answer to this question right now is the New York Yankees. Uh, I think it's the only team to see, like – to, to fit the mold of what I think gets the general sports fan back into it, and here's what I, I, they—they're a team that's finally kind of becoming what everyone thought they could become. I mean, years ago when they got Stanton and put him next to Aaron Judge, when they were—they're uh, they, kind of after four or five years becoming what everyone thought they were going to be. Uh, and, and it's not just the fact that they're winning so much. Obviously, they have the best record in baseball, and they're doing so much. It's that they're—they're they're one of those old school powerhouse baseball teams that everyone knows and you can all grow. We all grew up hating them and we can all get together and hate them now because they're so good. And they're, it's the same, it's the same old Yankees. It's this, they manufactured a really good, hateable baseball team. They've got super villains. They've got a power hitter like Stanton. They've got a uh, top of the line starter in Garrett Cole. A- and then they've got an MVP ca- candidate and a guy like judge. Uh So I, I, I think Uh, while there's there's obvious answers like the Blue Jays like the Blue Jays are a lot of fun there's fun teams that I think guys like me and you we like baseball those are the teams that we gravitate towards because you know we already like baseball but if you're going to get a a regular everyday Joe into baseball you've got to give them someone to hate you've got to give them something to be passionate about That's why I think like teams like Alabama, while we hate them and we say, oh, they're terrible for college football, they're actually great because everyone hates Alabama and everyone likes to see when Alabama does bad. And and it gives the the greater college football fandom somewhat like a common enemy. And I think that's what the Yankees have always been. And I think it's what kind of what baseball has been missing for the past like five or 10 years. Uh, The Dodgers... Have done that, but it's it's not the same. The Yankees are are the supervillains of the MLB, and when they are doing what they're doing this year, it makes it it makes it more fun. It does make it more fun. That's one of the series. I like, I gotta watch when the Tigers play the Yankees because Aaron Judge is a supervillain. Giancarlo Stanton is a supervillain. Like they're they're a perfect encapsulation of like what we grew up with watching the Yankees and hating them. So I, I think if I was gonna be like, hey. You've never watched baseball before. This is the you want to see why everyone hates the Yankees and why the, this franchise is so well known. Just watch one game of, of Garrett Cole on the mound and, and Aaron Judge hitting 500 foot home runs, and you'll see why it, 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 it's easy to hate them. So I think while there's more fun answers, I think the only right answer right now is the Yankees. But I, I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say.
1: So, surprise, surprise, I went with a fun answer. Um, but I, I do like that because. I didn't even think about it. You're right. The Yankees are the super villains, like the ultimate villains of the MLB. Like they're playing in Bush Stadium this year. And I'm like, I need to be there. I want to watch the Cardinals beat the Yankees. Like, I want to see that because I, I was raised to hate the Yankees. Even though, like, you look back, you're like, oh, I love Derek Jeter so much. You respect him for what he did in his career. But he's still like, he's the captain of the Yankees. He's the bad guy. But yeah. Um, I actually, I have. I have two answers from both leagues. I'm a, I'm a guy that likes variety, and I, I wanted to add a little bit of variety for this. And the Toronto Blue Jays is one of them for the AL. So I, I think that team is so much fun. It's got so much star power. Even though they probably they might not be a playoff team this year, that team has such a bright future. And I find myself like I'm more loyal to the St. Louis Cardinals than almost any other team I follow. Like I love the Cardinals been a fan since the day I was born. My uncle played for the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, I love that team, but I find myself rooting for the Toronto blue Jays. The Cardinals played a three game series and I was like, damn, Vlad Guerrero's awesome. boba shed. That flow is incredible. Like I like, I really enjoyed watching the blue Jays and I, I follow them on social media. That should not like in my book of fandom. I'm like, that's not something I should be doing. I just enjoy them so much. They're, yeah, Toronto is just a ton of fun. They're just every night they go out there and they have a blast playing baseball. It just seems like it seems almost like an AAU basketball team type vibe where they're just having fun and just being young guys, are just hitting the piss out of the baseball. And I love it. My second team they have is the Seattle Mariners. I Last fall, they kind of became America's team in my eyes with what they did in their run, trying to make the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. They have a guy in Julio Rodriguez, who is like we both think is an all-star this year. He does it all. He's He could be the future face of baseball. And it's in a division where you've got Houston, who hopefully their reign of terror over the AL East, is, or AL West, excuse me, is almost done. The Angels can't win to save their lives. So Seattle might be next up. They might be able to take control of that division. There might be years of just so much fun ahead. have um, And I think that's a team that if someone's trying to become a fan, they can invest it easily. So they've got young talent like Julio Rodriguez, and you could see a lot of years of really, really fun baseball and championships potentially, pennants and everything else. I think that's something that you could easily invest in. And the NL, the, the team that's kind of competing now and having fun now, the Philadelphia Phillies, that team's a lot of fun. They're kind of like my Blue Jays adjacent of the NL. But they're not young guys. They're guys that are established. You got guys like Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, uh, JT Realmuto. They're just they hit bombs and they just play a ton of offense. It was a team I was high on coming into the season, and uh, they weren't great. And then they fired their manager, uh, Joe Girardi, and they got good. And they're trying. They're still trying to make up ground in the Middle East. Luckily, they. I mean, you never know. They've still got time. They're. I think they're about like seven, eight games back right now. But they'll be all right. Uh, they're, fun, they're just a fun team to watch. And like they're coming to St. Louis next weekend, and I very well might make the trip just because they're a fun team to watch. They'll probably beat up on the Cardinals because that's how it goes. But they're a really, really fun team to watch. And then my last team in the NL is the Miami Marlins, another team in the NL East. I just become a fan of Jazz Chisholm. I think it's a team that if they start really investing in them, they've got such a bright future. Jazz Chisholm is a superstar. It's very similar to what I said about the Mariners where, where you got Julio. Jazz is just cool. He's just really, really cool. Right now, this is a team that has the third best ERA in the NL. They've got such good pitching with Pablo, San, uh, Pablo Lopez, Pablo Sanchez. Shout out Backyard Baseball. <laughs> Sandy Alcantara. I mean, this is a team that has really good pitching. Pablo Lopez. Uh, they've got really, really good pitching, and um, they're, they're a fun team. They've got a lot of young prospects, and that includes Jazz, who's been in the MLB for a little while now. And I, there, no one's a Marlins fan. You can get on board. It's not like you gotta watch every game. That's not how baseball works. It's impossible. I like as much as I would love to say I watch all 162 games of the Cardinals. I don't. I, I keep up with it on my phone. I've got the updates. I watch when I can. When I'm, when I, honestly, when I'm really bored, I'm like, all right, I'll turn the Cardinals on. Baseball is a sport you can follow through looking at the recaps and stuff, and it, it's easy to do. And the Marlins are going to be a team that I mean, even this year, they've had plenty of highlights because of Jazz Chisholm. And they're electric highlights because of Jazz Chisholm and could not blame anyone at all for deciding to become a Miami Marlins fan. I I follow Jazz and the Marlins on Instagram just to see, like, his home runs because they're always electric and they're always moonshots. And that's what you want out of baseball. Whereas you could get it from the Yankees where they're hitting a million and they're really, really good. You could also follow a bad team and invest, and you never know. Uh, Any of those four teams, I think if someone's trying to get into baseball, the Phillies, the Marlins – the uh, Mariners or the blue Jays. I think they'd be so easy to follow. They're all fun teams. Three of them are young and they, I think they have bright futures. Phillies are just fun. And you got a fun fan base. And I, I think you could have a great time with that. But yeah, I I think if anyone's trying to get into baseball, those four teams are definitely teams they should give a look to.
0: Yeah. All right. Moving on to this week in sports. Uh, if you haven't been watching the NBA news post draft, uh, the Brooklyn Nets have been through a whirlwind, not just, not just this week, but I feel like the Brooklyn's ever... that They've been cursed ever since they moved to Brooklyn. The, and this week was a big signification of that. Uh, the Kyrie Irving drama seemingly came into a head this week. as It seemed like he was going to request a sign-in trade, possibly to the Lakers to team up with LeBron. Uh, and the Nets possibly breaking up their super team. KD going everywhere. The, and it seemed like 2022 was going to be at the end of that experiment. And then, out of nowhere seemingly out of nowhere Kyrie picks up his player option to remain in Brooklyn keeping him and KD uh, as Nets for now Uh, it's been a wild week of drama but the Nets are seemingly intact at the end of it Uh, Dylan what did you think about all the news coming out this week
1: I just think it was really big of Kyrie Irving to decide to be a leader and zig when everyone else would zag. Because we all know everyone else, they would have took $6 million and played for the Lakers on the MLE. They would have never took $39 million and played for the Brooklyn Nets. Never, ever would anyone else have done that. And Kyrie Irving was sure to let everyone know on social media that he was different than all of us because he would never. What crazy person would do that? He zigs when everybody else zags. Everybody else would take six mil play for the Lakers. Um, I thought it was a foregone conclusion. I thought Kyrie was out of there. I thought it was over. Like, Kyrie, I, I really like Kyrie. Kyrie one, was one of my favorite basketball players for a long time. Like, one of the first pair of basketball shoes I ever bought was a Kyrie 1s. Like, I love those shoes. I love Kyrie's game. Kyrie, <laughs> he's, he's had a lot. He's become very vocal. And it becomes hard to see what Kyrie's thinking at times because he's all over the place. I just want Kyrie on the basketball floor. Because when he was on the basketball floor this year, he was incredible. I want to see Kyrie and Kevin Durant live up to the potential that this duo was supposed to live up, supposed to reach. Um, When this was all started, when they both uh, got to Brooklyn, when KD was it was a sign-and-trade deal and Kyrie signed, this was supposed to be the greatest duo or trio. They got James Harden, too. It was supposed to be just this great thing, and it just hasn't happened. It was supposed to just reinvent New York basketball in Brooklyn, and it just – it's not happened, and it's really, really disappointing. I i wish that – i I guess I dream that they will put it all together. Everything will finally come together this next season where Kevin Durant's playing a high-level basketball like he has been. Kyrie's on the court and doing what he's done and it all comes together and they win games and they're at the top of the East like it's crazy to look back last fall everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion that these NBA finals would be the Lakers and the Nets and it could not have been farther from that and that's insane to even think about I but that's what it should be it should be LeBron James and Anthony Davis versus Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and just, it seems like it's off the court stuff that's keeping us from that. And that sucks so much. I just want, I I want great basketball players to play great basketball. And I, I think that would be nice to see. But yeah, I, the saga was fun. The drama was fun. I thought Kevin Durant was going to be a Memphis Grizzly. I was, I was sold. Like the draft, the, the sports books were like, yeah, the second best thoughts are the Grizzlies. I was like, oh my God, it's happening. He's going to be a Memphis Grizzly. But at the end of the day, they're both in Brooklyn. And I'd say, okay, as long as they're playing basketball, I don't care. Um, I want to know what you had to think of the whole saga.
0: So first, I just want to say, I I think, like you said, I still think Kyrie is a dynamic basketball player. And if we're talking about his play alone, I still think he can help a team be better if he's fully available. The problem with Kyrie is it is, I think, now officially impossible to untie his basketball career from his personal life. it's, because they're constantly coming in contact with each other and coming in odds with each, at odds with each other. He's and and I, and I hate to say this because I hate I hate being the, the the ones that comment on on someone's personal life and and diving too much into what Kyrie or any athlete does outside of you know their profession, but. What Kyrie does outside of profession straight up lacks professionalism. He straight up is not a good professional basketball player. That's I think what the, the, the big takeaway is this. Uh, I usually find things like arrogance or things of that nature to be funny or fun, but Kyrie is different. It it feels like he feels like his actions can't have consequences. And I think you've seen it's dead wrong. Like like, like we all saw uh, KD was gone if Kyrie ended up leaving KD was leaving the Nets and the Nets were going to be stuck with another blown up organization another team that they went all in on that got blown up and didn't work out in their face uh and think about just like what he's put KD through since he's gone to the Nets I mean he had to be a part-time player last year because he wouldn't get vaccinated he missed time for personal reasons last year which ended up being like a family birthday party uh, and now this postseason drama that he that he just keeps making worse by yeah put, like poking the bear and and trying to act like he's the smartest guy in the room on social media when it's it, it, it's it's really wearing off on people like the the charm that Kyrie had is really wearing off when he when he does another thing like this and I think this is my biggest complaint and it might not sit well with people uh you know sorry Steven, if you're listening to this. I know the media has a problem with, with things like this, but we need to athletes need to stop blaming journalists for doing their job. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't know if Kyrie's trolling by doing this stuff. Like how, like when you picked up his option, like he, it felt like he was like being like, Oh, how silly of you guys to speculate that I was leaving when, when all this drama was topping up. It's like, like, that's Woj's job. That's what these guys are supposed to do. That's like their job. If there's credible reports that you're looking to do a sign and trade with the Lakers, he's going to report it. Uh, Stop acting like that's like somehow an invasion of your privacy to do that. Like that's his job. If there's some personal life thing that like, like that you can reasonably expect to be kept private, that's a different story, but this is just reasonable transactions. That's what Woj is supposed to do. If he didn't know that, you would be the first one to call him out for not knowing what he was doing. Like that's, and that's where I think he's like an enigma. Kyrie just doesn't know what he wants. He wants so many conflicting things. And it's just, it's tough that he lives in a, in a world where he can get all of those thoughts out because if it was like 20 or 30 years ago, we would never, we would just know Kyrie the point guard because he wouldn't have this outlet to, to do all of these things that are not helping him. Uh, And I think that's like what Kyrie just needs to take a step back and is like, how am I going to be the best version of Kyrie for the Nets next season? Like, how can I be the best Kyrie that the Nets want me to be? Because I don't think he's done that since like pre-LeBron Cavaliers. Like, I don't think he's gone into a season and been like, how do I be not just helpful to the Nets, the best version of Kyrie that I can be for the Nets? Because if he does that, I think he'll be infinitely better off in the future. And I think the nets will be infinitely better off just one season. Just give us one year of just no BS, just basketball. And then I think everything will just work out in your favor in the end of that Kyrie Uh, we're rooting for you because like we said, we love you as a basketball player, just put you on the court and you are such a fun guy to watch. But I, I, you know, it's, it's becoming so hard to untie all of this BS outside of it from his basketball career and that's all we want just just untie it man just 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 let it go just just be a basketball player for a year I know that's against what you believe in but you'll be infinitely better off if you could just prove to everyone that you can do it for one year I think that's one of the biggest things it's like we haven't seen him do it for a full year in a long time ever since really the whole fallout with LeBron happened so uh, it, it would it would really be nice to just see Kyrie Irving the basketball player be really good this year I think that's really what what I'm hoping for hoping this whole saga just kind of wakes him up and to be like okay uh, this this isn't all guaranteed I'm not obviously going to be a max guy for the rest of you know for the rest of eternity I've actually got to put some effort into this so uh I'm hoping that you know that's that's what Kyrie will take away from it Pretty sure it isn't, but, you know, we can hope at some point uh, that it'll, it'll click in his head. Uh, either way, I think we're going to get Kyrie on the basketball court for Brooklyn in some capacity next year.
1: If someone asked you right now, who's the best point guard in the NBA, what would you answer?
0: I think the answer has to be Steph, right? Yeah, I, I think that's
1: fair. The What sucks is it probably should be Kyrie Irving. And if Kyrie had been on the court for eighty two games last season, it the answer probably would be Kyrie Irving. And that's after Jaw took the leap. Steph was still incredible. The things Kyrie was doing when he actually played basketball was phenomenal. But all this outside stuff is just it's I think it's bogged down to people's opinion of Kyrie. And like a lot of the talk on NBA Twitter is just like it makes no sense. People like, are talking like Kyrie's not that good. Kyrie's incredible. And he would have instantly, if he would have left, opted out, and gone to L.A., he instantly makes the Lakers one of the favorites. And the Nets, as long as he plays basketball, they are going to be one of the favorites day one next season. It doesn't matter how good the East is getting. Brooklyn's still going to be at the top because of how phenomenal Kyrie Irving is. But we have to deal with everything else.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, at some point uh, it's got to switch or he's just going to find himself in a different role down the road. And I don't think that's what Kyrie wants. I think at the end of the day, uh, like he's going to – I think that's what's going to wake up Kyrie more than anything is like watching uh, like his role shrink because of all of it. I I, I think that's one of the things. It's like he hasn't felt the consequences of it yet. Even last year, he's a part-time player, but it's like, all right, well, when, when you can play, we'll welcome you back with open arms. I think someone's got to just stand up and be like, Kyrie, no, you don't get everything you want. And every, and every time you open your mouth it's not consequence free. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't, it just means you got to be a little bit more careful. I mean, that's, that's just the uh, you know, the ins and the about it. No one wants to change Kyrie. Like we, like we said a while ago, it's like, you got to love Kyrie because he's, the only one of his kind he you know he beats he's he marches to his own drum and you've got to respect that but that doesn't mean you're you're free of consequences uh at the end of it so that wraps up hopefully all the Kyrie drama until the nba season starts uh that's going to do it from us at the dylan dylan show uh other than we did want to touch on free agency starts tomorrow Uh, in the NBA Thursday today, if you're listening to it, as this podcast comes out. Uh, Some big names as James Harden and Bradley Beal both opted out uh, in the free agency pool as of now, but it does seem like they might be both going back. Other big names, Jalen Brunson, uh, rumored to be going to the Knicks, uh, DeAndre Ayton, the restricted free agent, Miles Bridges. Uh, Dylan, anything you're focusing on from uh, free agency as it gets going tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see all those names you listed. There's some smaller names that people might not have their radar fully on. But I think they should. Tyus Jones, I think, is a huge player in this free agency because it's it's kind of a more limited pool. And that's a guy that can be a starting point guard on, a, on an NBA team. And I'm curious if he takes a pay cut to come back to Memphis and play on a championship-level team. And I, I really think he might. Uh, Con Sexton's a name. I'm curious to see what happens with him. Dante DiVincenzo. Mo Bamba is a guy that it looks like Orlando won't, Look to match an offer, and that I like that blows my mind. I talked about Mo Bamba a couple weeks ago. It that just seems like an all time fumble job by Orlando. He seemed like he was going to be a really good center in the NBA, and it just hasn't worked out that way. And I'm curious where he can go to try to kind of restart his his career because he's still a young guy. I, I think there's a couple of young guys like that, like the Mo Bamba, Colin Sexton type, that could end up somewhere else and really, really contribute somewhere else. And that it'd be interesting to see. And this is where. Uh, championships get one. You pick up a guy like Dante DiVincenzo who can make plays, who has a championship pedigree from college playing at Villanova. And I, I'm interested to see where those guys go, whether they go get big contracts or decide, hey, I'll take a pay cut and go play for the Lakers or go play for the Nets or go play for the Grizzlies or the Warriors whoever. I'm, I'm very curious to see where these pickups are made for teams like that. But yeah, uh, I, I just hope Tyus Jones is still a Grizzly because I, I think that's a guy that they really need to bring back. I don't think Kennedy Chandler is quite ready to take that role, but who knows uh are there any names you're looking for for the Pistons or just in general in this free agency pool
0: uh I mean I'm generally interested to see what the Pistons will do uh we were very rumored around DeAndre Aiden until the Jalen Duren stuff happened on draft night now it does not seem like we're going to be going that route so it's interesting to see if we're going to use that cap space that we have now or if we're just going to kind of sit on it wait till next year we did just you know, make that trade with uh, New York to get Alec Burks and New Orleans Noel, which I'm going to be honest, I did not realize New Orleans Noel was still in the NBA. But uh, I, I, I like Alec Burks and I don't think either of them are really that risky of uh, investments at this point, uh, especially because the Knicks were trying to burn salary anyway. I think we got them for probably as cheap as you can get them. Uh, I'm interested just to see, you know, where those like guys like DeAndre, will the Suns choose to match uh, a deal like that? Uh, you know, obviously there was so much drama with them going into the off season. Will they, will a team be able to steal him for, you know, not as much because the Suns just aren't willing to match a, 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 an offer from a team. Uh, uh, I think Miles Bridges, Bridges is probably the guy I'm most interested in as a piston, but also just in general, I think he's going to make a big impact wherever he ends up going and uh yeah i'm generally interested you know uh, i like i told dylan i don't have a ton to say about nba free agency the the class is a bit underwhelming compared to other years but that the thing about nba free agency is like once it starts, it's a whirlwind and you don't even know, like you can't even predict the news that you're going to get out of that first day of NBA free agency. So many things are going to happen that we're going to be like, oh, my God, we're going to have to talk about that next week. So uh, well, I'm going to be staying tuned. I'm going to be tuned in for sure, because it's it's one of those days that uh, that's a lot of fun. We might be, uh, you know, you don't know when. We're going to be tracking owners on private planes, flying places, trying to figure out where guys are going. So uh, excited to see how that goes. That's going to do it for sh- for real this time. But Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we get going?
1: Yeah, I just want to say something real quick. Today, Amani Bates announced that he's going to go to Eastern Michigan University. And a congrats to Amani. I think that's awesome being a guy from a mid-major. Uh, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter. They're like, well, there goes his NBA draft stock. And I want to say to those people, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he's going to a mid-major. Who cares? Uh, that's his hometown. And I happen to know I have a peer of mine who went to a mid-major at Murray State University who was the number two pick in the NBA draft. His name is John Morant. A lot of you have him as his fo- as your phone wallpaper now. Amani's fine. He's a young guy. He's going to go from Michigan. He'll be all Mac. Probably be the Mac player of the year next year. Amani is a really good basketball player. He's going to be an NBA major. He'll be just fine. But yeah, that's all I got.
0: Yeah, uh, I completely agree and now being in Mount Pleasant, I am going to be seeing I, I'm most likely going to be seeing Amani in person next year because you know when they come to Central next year, I'm gonna be in, in the attendance if, if if he's within walking distance of me, I'm gonna have to go. But that's gonna do it from us at the Dylan and Dylan show. Thank you so much for tuning in everyone. Here is where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan Dylan show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find tunnel vision sports at underscore or at tunnel vision sports underscore on Instagram, on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and on the web at TVsportsmag.com Thank you so much for listening. Everyone have a great weekend and we'll see you all next week. Goodbye.